welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the first morning service of Sunday the 12th of February 2012. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. I want to speak this morning a little bit, uh, kind of informal, but I want to start the whole series of this week off on... One of the biggest questions that everybody asks as a Christian is how can I know what God's will is for me? How can I know God's specific will for my life? Um, you know, I've battled over the last year with God's sovereign will. To be honest, there's, there's many categories, basically three categories when you speak of the will of God. Number one, you talk about God's sovereign will. Uh, those are things that we have no control over. God is sovereign. Uh, there's another category I call God's standard will. And we'll look a little bit at that, but then there's God's specific will. So you have God's sovereign will, you have God's standard will, and then you have God's specific will. Now, I've said this many times to people at Bethel, if you want God to answer your prayer specifically, you got to pray specifically. If you want to know God's specific will, there's some criteria that you have to meet or you have to engage in before you can know God's specific will. Uh, The biggest one is His standard will. And we'll go over some of those things. But I want to look at the life of Moses for just a few minutes and how Moses in his life depict what knowing God's will is. Now, I've heard a lot of people say you got to try to find God's will. Well, not necessarily. You don't try to find it. You just do it. There's many things in the Scripture that tell you what to do. I mean, we don't, we're not left to our own demise. We don't, we're not left up in the air about what to do. God has a standard will. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'll give you a few of them. Number one, we know His standard will is to meet together with God's people, to fellowship with local believers, come to church. That's God's standard will. We know that. It's spelled out specifically for us in the New Testament. Uh, another one of His standard wills is we ought to give. Proverbs 3.8 says, uh, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So basically, we know God's standard will is to fellowship. We know it's to tithe or give. Uh, and by the way, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Amen? Uh, you don't give. That, that, that's not giving. Tithing is, is returning to God what's rightfully His anyway. All right? So uh, to, you, you, ought to, you ought to fellowship with believers. You ought to tithe. Uh, i give you another one. Prayer. We are commanded, one of God's standard wills, you don't have to think about this or debate, God's standard will is that we pray. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's what Jesus told a parable of them. So we ought to fellowship believers. We ought to, uh, we ought to tithe or give. You ought to pray. Uh, you ought to be in the Bible. You ought to read the Scripture. You know, I told my wife I need a new Bible. Uh, this one is literally, uh, literally falling apart. I, I, I've recovered it about five times. And uh, the only reason I'm carrying this with me this time is because my dog uh, tore my other one up. Uh, I left it on. after Seth's death, and it was Seth's dog, uh, she began to act out some. And she knew something wasn't right when Seth wasn't there. And uh, she began to act out, and I left my Bible on the freezer out on the porch of our house uh, after, a Sunday morning sur- after Sunday service, and she got a hold of it, and she didn't read it. She tried to eat it, okay? So... Uh, you know, we talk about digesting God's Word. I, she took it literal. But anyway, we ought to read God's Word, all right? And so uh, 
And I'm going to be honest with you. Anything that is used is going to be worn. You know, you're going to wear out the Bible if you use it a lot. And um, we call it the sword of the spirit. We know that's the conference that we're having this week. It is our defense. And not only that, but it's our offensive weapon. So we use it not only to defend, but we also use it in offensive uh, manner. So those are God's standard will, some of God's standard will. But in order to know his specific will, you've got to obey or abide to his standard will. Don't, don't expect God to show you the specific direction, direction in your life if you're not abiding or trying to do God's standard will. Okay? So I want you to look at Exodus chapter 3. I'll begin in verse number 1. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, Moses did, and came to the mountain of God, even unto Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, or out of the middle of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Look down at verse number 11. And Moses said unto God, Who am I, that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, God said, Certainly, and listen to what God said to Moses, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee when thou hast brought forth the people of Egypt uh, out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I am come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they say unto me, What is his name? What shall I say unto him, them? And God said, Notice that the, the, the children of Israel said, are going to ask him what his name is. And you think that's, that's kind of funny that God's people would ask what God's name is. But he said, God said to Moses, you tell them. It's the first time this name is used. Matter of fact, this is the first person that ever heard this name out of the mouth of God himself. First time the, the, the name is ever mentioned. But look at it. He said, you tell the people, Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. Okay? Now look at verse number 15. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say, that thou sh Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial. Okay? This is my memorial unto how many generations? All generations. We're talking about the will of God, okay? I want, to, I want you to see a few things this morning, and I'm, not going, I'm just going to kind of, this, this is not a, a, a message or a Sunday school lesson where I'm going to hit the whole thing. I'm going to have to do a brief survey of it and uh, kind of skim the surface. And so I want you to listen on purpose I want you to look at chapter number 3 again in verse number 1. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock the backside 
of the desert. The first thing I want you to notice about the will of God, if you want to know, and I, I, I've, I've had this question asked to me more than any other question by believers, is how can I determine what God's plan is for me? What is God's will for my life? I think that's a pretty important question. I think we all ought to ponder that one. What is God's specific will? What does God want me to do? Well, I know this, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So God has, God has a plan for our life. He knows the thoughts that He thinks toward us. So God's not up in the air. He's not in uh, limbo about what He wants for us. He knows what He wants for us. Now it's our job to determine what God's specific will is for our life. Moses had to do that. Moses was put in a position to where God encountered him. He had an encounter with God like nobody else had. He heard a name nobody else had ever heard. He had seen something nobody else had ever seen, a bush that was burning but not consumed. And a voice came out of that bush. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I came to a bush and it began to speak to me and it was burning, but it wouldn't burn up, I'd be going, man, I, I, maybe I've been out in the sun too long. But see, that's the way God works. God meets ordinary people in extraordinary ways in order to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. That's just what he does. And so Moses was in a place on the backside of the desert. The first thing I want you to understand about God's will is, number one, God's delight. God is, del listen, God delights in using his people. God wants to use you. See, God's delight is he wants to use you in his service. I've said this many times, Steve. Here I am, a boy that grew up in Iroh County, North Carolina, in a little town called Statesville, which is absolutely pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It's about 30 miles from a very big metropolis called Hickory, where Pastor Larry's from. <laughs> and he'll tell you Hickory's smaller than Statesville. But here I am in the middle of England, preaching the gospel, Never, ever thought I'd ever go off uh, the soil of the United States of America, much less to be on what? I guess now 13 different countries that we've been to. I never thought that. But see, God's delight is He wants to use us. And one of the most amazing things to me, Panos, is He delights in using just ordinary people. You know, I'm so thankful when I get on the plane and come over here that when people pick up a brochure or a flyer, they see Brian, evangelist Brian Beaver's name, they go, who is that? You know what, that, I, I delight in that because you know what, it really don't matter who I am. See, if you ever meet me and forget me, you had not lost much. But if you ever meet Jesus and forget him, you've missed it all. See, God delights in using ordinary people, Gareth. Listen, look down in verse number one again. He kept the flock of his father-in-law Jethro on the backside of the desert. So in God's delight, in his plan, he uses people. Number one, he uses ordinary people. Moses was just a shepherd. He wasn't some king. He wasn't some monarch. He wasn't somebody that everybody knew he was, and he wasn't an icon in that day. He was a man who was on the backside of the desert, an ordinary shepherd who God said, I'm going to use to deliver my people out of the hand of Pharaoh. Let me say this. God uses ordinary people. Ordinary people. I want you to look over at verse number, look over at verse number six. 
It says, moreover, he said unto, unto him, unto, unto, unto uh, Moses, he said, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy what? But what does it say? Father. I am the God of thy father. Now, everywhere else, Panos, if you read when God speaks to Abraham, to Jacob, to, you know, he says, I'm the God of thy fathers, plural. But here he says, I'm the God of thy Father. Now let me ask y'all a question. Anybody in here, not, you, I'm going to check out my Bible scholars here. Anybody in here know who Moses' father's, what was his name? That was not it. Anyway, Moses' father. Anybody know who Moses' father was? It's only mentioned one time. Now that was his father-in-law. His father's name, now get this now, his father's name was Amram. A-M-R-A-M. Amram. Now he's not, listen, you say, why would God put down, I'm the God of thy father? You want to know why? It's because God was trying to get Moses to understand, you know what, Moses, I know your dad wasn't a big shot. I know you aren't. And you know what, I'm going to use you anyway. It ain't about who we are. You know, here Moses is going, now, you know, you go a couple chapters over. Actually, the next chapter, God comes to him, of course, and, and what does Moses do? He starts debating with God about what he ought to do. God said, I want you to go, and I want you to help my people get out of Egypt. And he says, they'll not listen to me. I can't speak well. And I think it's amazing how he says, I can't speak well. He uses hitherto and therefore. And all. I mean, you know, but he can't speak well, you know. Of course, we know that's old English, and that's how they translated it. But anyway, Moses didn't talk like that. But it was eloquent how he said he could not speak well. And then he said, go send somebody else because they won't listen to me. And what happened? It made God angry. You know what make listen, you know what breaks the heart of God more than anything? Is when ordinary people who God gives extraordinary power to do his will and accomplish it say, I can't do it, Lord. Woe is me. I don't have the gift that Brother Steve does. I can't preach like Pastor Larry. I can't sing like Sister So-and-so. I can't play an instrument like Shelley. I can't do this. I can't do that. Why don't we stop complaining about what we can't do and start praising God for what we can do? Listen, I don't have the gifts that... I can't cook like Janie. <laughs> I can't cook like the ladies. And I can't cook like my wife. Listen, if I cooked at our house, we'd have to pray after we ate. Not before. But listen, I don't have the gifts that's like Penos has got or Amber or any of you other folk. But I've got the gift God gave me, and I've got to use the gift God gave me. I'm not going to try to accomplish anything else with anybody else's gifts. I've got to do what God called me to do. And he said, Moses, I want to let you know something. This ain't about who you are. He said, I'm trying to get the people of God and Pharaoh in Egypt to see who I am. See, that's what God's trying to accomplish in His will for your life. Is so He will be seen. See, God's delight is He uses number one ordinary people. Aren't you glad you're ordinary? Say amen. Now, we all pretty ordinary. When it comes down to it, we're pretty ordinary. Except some of you. Some of you kind of special. You know what I mean. Anyway... <laughs> Well, God uses ordinary people. He not only uses ordinary people, but no, notice this. You go back to chapter number 3 and verse 1. Where did God find Moses? On the 
Not just in the desert, Panos. He found him on the backside of the desert. We're talking about 2,500 square miles of desert. And God found him on the backside of it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God not only uses, un, listen, ordinary people, but he uses overlooked people or obscure people. That's why I'm glad that God don't call the equipped. He equips the called. I'm glad God don't use that which is notorious and, and, and of high esteem. See, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, you ought to write these verses down and you ought to memorize them. Jeremiah 9, verses 23 and 24 says, says, Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor the rich man in his riches, nor the, listen, the, 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 uh, the, the strong man in his strength, but let him that glory, glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Now I want to ask you to ponder upon that. You know, many times we want people to, we want to, we want to be recognized. You know, we want a pat on the back. We lead somebody to Christ. We want somebody to say, who did it? Now, I'm from America. That happens a lot. I hope it don't happen here in England. But a lot of times people want a pat on the back. They want recognition. They want a medal. They want a plaque. They want a reserved seat on the front row. It's got a little uh, metal plaque on a pew. It says, this is donated by brother so-and-so. You know, and we want all the recognition. But let me tell you something. In God's plan, he uses ordinary people, but he uses overlooked people. Let me say this, if you've always gotten to be seen, don't expect to be used. If you've always got to be seen, and by the way, there was a prophet named Elijah. He had a servant named Elisha who was his successor. Do you understand that the scripture says, and I believe 1 Kings chapter, uh, or 2 Kings chapter number 3, it says that, listen, Elisha poured water on the hands of Elijah for 11 years before he ever preached as a prophet of God. See, he had to serve in the shadows before God ever put him on the stage. And if you only want the stage and not the shadows, you're not going to be a servant. See, God uses overlooked people, that's his will. So not only ordinary people, but number two, overlooked people. Good morning. But also, now this is going to apply to every one of us, because I know us as God's people. We're sheep, all right? God uses ordinary people. God uses overlooked people. But number three, God uses obstinate people. You say, what's the word obstinate? Well, it lines up with my alliteration. It's all in O's. Ordinary, overlooked, obstinate, okay? What's obstinate mean? It means stubborn. Hello. It means hard-headed people. You say, how do you get that out of Moses' life? Won't you look down at chapter number 3 and look at verse 3. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, he said, he said unto him in the midst of the burning bush, he said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where on thy standest is holy ground. Now look up at me. God uses obstinate people, uses hard-headed people, stubborn people. Most people would have ran from a bush that was burning and talked to them. But Moses said, I want to see what's going on. God uses people that are stubborn. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being spiritually stubborn and saying, you know what? I'm going to be persistent. I'm not going to give up. We got too many people that quit too early. They quit too early. They pray three times about something, Panos, and because God don't do it the way they want it done, they stop praying. 
God is not, not God don't work that way. Pray, what's the Bible say? Pray without, in everything give. I mean, you know what? That's persistence. Boy, it don't take us, listen. You know, if we desire something so bad that we want it, we don't stop praying. When it's something that we desire or we want. But what about the will of God? See, there's some of you in here, it's in uni, college. Uh, You've you got your whole life ahead of you. And you're praying, you know what, Lord, I want you to show me your direction. I want you to show me what, who's going to be my mate. Who am I going to marry? Uh, where am I going to work? Uh, what am I going to do? What kind of income? You know, what, 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 what's the direction? Where am I going to live? Is it going to be here in Birmingham? Is it going to be somewhere else? Well, if you want to know that, you've got to be willing to be yielded and put in the hand of God and let God show you His will for your life. Say, well, preacher, it can't be that easy. You know, I've had people say, you know what, finding God's will is like a, a BB. You put a BB, little bitty pellet, in a shoebox and just shake it up, and wherever it stops, eventually, uh, that's what the will of God is. Let me, say, let me tell you something. I, listen, knowing, God, knowing God's will is a whole lot easier than that. You know how I know God's will? See, God's sovereign will is something we can't figure out a lot of times. I'm going to speak a lot about that this week. You know, I went through the what-ifs for three months after my son died. What if? What if What if he'd have dropped his uh, cell phone and couldn't find it, and it took him five minutes to find it? What if he'd have done that? He'd have never been in that car accident, right? Well, what if... You know what, we just got to, uh, listen, we've got to understand the sovereign will of God is something we cannot change. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. And I'm on God's side, amen? Just let God be God and let us be us. God's got a responsibility. He said he'd promised to take care of us. He didn't say we'd figure every bit of it out, but thank God when we get there, it says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. And you know what? Though bad things happen to God's people, I still believe Him, I still trust Him, and I'm still going to love Him. He's not done anything to me to harm me. He knows the thoughts that He thinks toward me. And guess what? If my son could come back, he wouldn't. Not now. Not after you've seen Jesus face to face. You don't come back. You know, I told the people last night at the nursing home, I asked God, I said, God, what, you know, we, me and my wife have asked, Lord, why, 17 years of age, had his whole life ahead of him? Why did that happen? Why would you take my son? And you know what Panos, he told me? God said, well, Brian, number one, he wasn't yours to begin with. <laughs> Remember what you did when he was born? You gave him back to me. So he was mine. So he's really mine. I just loaned him to you. He said, number two, Brian, the reason I took him is because he's ready. Could you imagine being a parent, Steve, and not knowing if your child was going to go to heaven? You know, I, I listen, the reason why I could raise my hand at his funeral and I could preach his funeral, somebody said, how'd you do that? I don't know. All I can tell you is the power of God and the grace of God. But the reason I could raise my hand and I could say, Lord, I believe in you and I trust you is because I know where my son is at. He was ready. 
And I'm thankful He was able to be here last year. That's God's providential will. How God worked all that out. But you know, in God's standard will, it really is kind of self-explanatory. All you've got to do is read the Scripture and know what God's standard will is. You don't have to try to figure it out yourself. God has spelled it out plainly for us. So God's sovereign will is something we can't control. But you know what? God has given us control over His standard will. We can know it. We can know His standard will. And in order to know His specific will, we can do that by knowing and doing His standard will. Moses was an ordinary person. If you're ordinary, you say, well, preacher, I ain't got many gifts. Well, you know what? I can't do much. You know what? You're in exactly the place where God can use you. When you say you can't, God says, I can. So you're ready to be used. So an ordinary person is one that God uses, and that's his delight. He uses overlooked people, but he uses obstinate people, hard-headed people. Is there any hard-headed people in here say amen? Some of y'all need to get right with God and repent because you're lying right now. Anyway. Number one, God's delight. Write that down. God's delight is this. He wants to use you in His service. That's God's delight. It, it makes God happy when He can use and when God's people say, Lord, I'm here. What do you want me to do? You know what I've asked many times? People have asked me, when did God call you to preach? Well, you know what? That ain't even a term in the Bible. Do you know that's not even a term in the Bible? There's nowhere where you can find somewhere somebody's called to preach. So I started rethinking this thing, Steve, and I went, well, if it's not the call to preach, what is it? Well, you look back at the life of Paul. What happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? When he was blinded and scales fell of his eyes and he could not see because the light of God's glory uh, blinded him, what was the first thing when he said, Paul, Paul, why persecutest thou me? He said, you know it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And then he said this. He said, what's the next thing Paul said? He said, Lord, what would you have me to do. So what we've got to do is we've got to figure out what God wants us to do. See, we need to use biblical terms. See, when you surrender your life to Christ, God will begin to open up avenues through circumstances, relationships, and before you know it, Panos, He has revealed His standard and specific will to you, and the whole time you were like, well, man, now that I look back, I can see what he was doing. I'm going to tell you, it's a whole lot easier to see God's will looking that way than it is looking that way. You look back, it's a whole lot easier to see it. But listen, folks, God's delight is he wants to use you. It makes God happy when his people surrender and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? God's design, okay? Look at this, God's design. God's design is he has a specific will for your life. What was God's specific will for Moses? That he lead the people out of the hand of Pharaoh. He has a specific will for you. Now, I want you to turn over to Luke chapter number 9. Or excuse me, Luke 22. Luke chapter number 22, I want to show you something. Luke 22, God's design. Luke chapter 22. Look at verse number 39. God's delight is He wants to use you, but God's design is He has a specific will for your life, specifically. Look at chapter number 22 and verse 39. He came out and went, and as He won't, to the Mount of Olives, and His disciples also followed Him. It's talking about Jesus. 
And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if, it, if, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and, he, and his sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he arose up from praying, he was come to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Now, right here we see of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ entered in there. He began to pray. And let me say this. That was God's specific plan for the life of our Lord. From the time that he was born, he was born to die for the sins of all mankind. That was God's specific will. Now let me ask you something. How many people have ever been told if you surrender to the Lord and God begins to work in your life and you give everything over to Christ, it's just going to be hunky-dory, everything's going to be fine. You pat, Listen, your bank account's going to be padded. You ain't going to have to have no more worries. Everything's going to be taken care of. You're going to be healed of all physical affliction. I'm telling you something, folks. It's running rampant. Do you know Jesus said this to his people? He said, the foxes have holes, the birds have nests, but the Son of Man have not a place where he can lay his head. Our Lord was not a rich, wealthy man when he lived here and he had his ministry for three and one half years. He was not a wealthy man. He lived in, listen, in troublesome times. He lived in well-nigh poverty. But see, that's what, that's what we want. We want the temporal kingdom. We want this pertless, temporary fix. And we won't, listen, just like spirituality in America, I've seen it. We want spirituality in America like we want money or we want things. We want it now, we want it cheap, and we want it on credit. <laughs> and you know what? You don't get spirituality that way. Spiller, listen, having a walk with Christ takes work. And the will of God ain't always, listen to me, folks, the will of God is not always going to be the easiest road to take. Jesus Christ went in the Garden of Gethsemane and he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. I'm telling you something, folks, that is not easy. That is not the greatest, easiest road to take. The will of God ain't always going to be the easiest way. And let me say this. When God reveals his specific will to you, May I say this? It's never going to be as important, Steve, to your family and your friends and your confidants as it is to you. Because when Jesus came back, what did he find his disciples doing? Sleeping. See, God's will for your life, young lady, is not going to be always as important to everybody else as it is to you. See, you may, I can remember when God placed a, a calling on my life and I said, Lord, I'm surrendering to whatever you want me to do. And I went before my parents and told them, and my dad looked at me. Now, this is before he was saved, before I led him to Christ. My dad looked at me and went, Brian, he said, you're excited right now, but it will wear off. You know what I'm thankful for, Panos? That was 19 years ago, and it hadn't worn off. If anything, it's got worse or better. Let me say that better. Folks, listen. God's specific will for your life is not always going to be as important to everybody else as it is to you. But let me tell you this. God will always, listen to me from here to the back row, God will always strengthen you to do His will. 
Jesus Christ was weary. He was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. And what does it say, Steve? In verse number 43, it said, There appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. I don't know what you're going through today. You say, God, is this really your will? I mean, is it really your will that I go through this turmoil? Is it really your will, Lord, that I go through this affliction? Is it really your will, Lord, that I see the death of a son? Is it really your will, Lord, that I would go through things like this? See, the thing is, is what we don't realize is God never, ever, ever leaves us. It doesn't matter if we're in the fire. Gareth, He's right there with us. It doesn't matter what kind of storm we're in. He's right there with us. And he is more than able to stand up, put his foot on the neck of that storm in your life and say, peace be still. So God's design, his delight is he wants to use you. His design is he has a specific will for your life. Specific. Now I'll tell you this. If you don't obey his standard will... I dare say he'll ever reveal his specific will to you. I dare say I would not want to have a raise of hands in a service of how many Christians who come to church every week, week after week after week after week, and I used to be the same way, that I would ask for a raise of hands with nobody looking around of how many people spend daily time in God's Word and in prayer, and the only time they open their Bible up is on Sunday morning in Sunday school or Sunday morning service. You know, if I only ate one time a week, wouldn't look like much. Don't look like much now and eat three times a day. Some of y'all laughing, that ain't funny. No, I'm just, you know what? <laughs> if we only eat one time a week, you're going to be malnutritioned. You've got to have a daily time in the Word of God. David said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Why don't we, listen, why don't we spend as much time in God's book as we do on Facebook or in any other thing? It don't have to be Facebook. It can be any other thing. It can be games. It can be video games. It can be, uh, you know, the internet. Whatever it is. Why don't we spend a little bit more time in God's word? Because I'm going to tell you something. You don't go to the battle without your armor on. And when you get up in the morning, I can promise you right now, you've got an adversary that wants to defeat you and make you look like a reproach, a source of finger pointing. The rest of the world say, that, that's a Christian. And you know what we do? We don't put our armor on before we go in the battle. Oh, yeah, we read our scripture at night before we go to sleep. That's great. But why don't you put your armor on in the morning before you go in the battle? See, God's design is that we have a specific will for our life. And He will reveal it to us. However, you've got to abide to His standard will. What's His standard will? Read the Bible. Pray. Give. Tithe. Fellowship with local believers. Witness. When's the last time you talked to your friends about Jesus? When's the last time you talked to your lost family about Jesus? You say, well, they'll hate me. It don't matter what they think about you. It supremely matters what they do when they hear the gospel and what they do with Jesus Christ. That's what matters. See, because their anger and rebuke and mockery of you is not going to matter when they stand before God at the great white throne if they don't get saved. 
They're not going to think about that. You know what they're going to think about? I remember what Brother Steve told me, and I didn't make a decision. You know what? I can't blame him because he told me. See, God's desire, His delight, His design, but God's desire. What is God's desire in His will? It's that we draw closer to Him. You look back at Exodus chapter number 3, you can turn there, turn back and then I'll be done. I only got about five minutes left. Exodus 3, look at verse number, look at verse number 3 again. Or look at verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. You don't want to know why God, you know what God's will really, God's will really is? God's will for you is number one, he wants to use you. Now I know that's crazy when we think about it, that the God that took nothing and made everything out of it, the God that don't need us but includes us, would want to use us to do his work here on the earth. I know that kind of, sounds kind of crazy. But you know what? That's what God's will is. He wants to use us. But his does, listen, His design is it's specific. He has a specific task for each and every one of you. But number three, His desire is that you draw closer to Him. See, God don't want to reveal His will so it'll make you angry and push you farther away. His will is designed for your life for you to enjoy it. Psalm 37 verse 4, what does it say? Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. I think that desire, Brother Peter, is that you want to do His will. I think that's what the desire means. I think He'll give you that desire to do the will that's, that He wants to accomplish in your life. You say, well, preacher, man, he, He's calling me to the depths of the Congo, and I just don't know if I can do that. You know what? God may never call you to the depths of the jungles of Africa or Ecuador or Peru or anywhere like that. But let me ask you something. If he was, are you willing to do it? See, that's the whole thing. God may never do that in your life, but are you willing to if he was to call you there? I want you to think about the one place on the map of this place called the earth that you would not want to go. And if God called you there, would you be willing to do it? You know, I think about a man named David Livingston. Here's a man who was a doctor. God placed on his heart to go to the depths of the jungles of Africa and Malawi. And do you know what? He's the father of modern missions because he was willing. You know what? I can guarantee you he could have stayed here in England and made scores and scores and scores of pounds. He could have been a millionaire, but he gave it all up to go and win people to Christ. God's specific will. His specific will is this, that through it you draw closer to Him. We've looked at God's delight, God's design, God's desire. But I want you to see God's determination. His determination. Look down at chapter number 3 and verse 15. It said, God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, When you get up there, Moses, I want you to proclaim this to them. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. You want to know what God's trying to do through you and His will for your life? 
is a memorial. God wants to get the glory out of your life by you doing His will. How many of y'all have ever seen a player piano? Player piano, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it's a piano that's got a switch on it. And it's got these little things in there and you put this little thing in and it actually plays the songs for you. <laughs> My daughter's here with us this trip. I can remember we went into an antique shop one time. My daughter was, I believe at that time, six years of age. She's always had a, a, an intriguing uh, knack to play the piano. She'd sit her down. She can hear something. In about a week, she'll have it played. And, and she just, now, now, now music for her and I is a whole lot different than reading it. It's a little harder. She plays by ear, uh, and I play by letter, lean back and let her rip. No, I'm just playing. But anyway, I, I play uh, by, by ear too. But I can remember when she was about six years of age, we were in, a, in, in an antique shop. And, uh, you know, I tell my kids, look with your eyes, not with your hands. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, don't pick nothing up in an antique shop because it says once you break this, you buy it. Okay? So I said, don't. Don't pick nothing up. Just look with your eyes, not with your hands. Brother Neil, I'm in there, and you know, I had to definitely watch my son. I had to keep him right here on my side. I can trust Hannah a little bit more with that kind of thing. But, but I was over here, and me and Bronco were looking at a bed and a comforter uh, thing that you hang your comforter over. It goes in front of the bed, a little antique thing. And all of a sudden, there was this group of people that had gathered around this piano over there. It was an antique piano. And I'm telling you, it was the most beautiful music was coming from that place, that thing that I'd ever heard in my life. I mean, Rogers and Hammerstein, you know, the hills are alive with the sun. And I mean, and all of a sudden I go over there and this large group of people had gathered around it. And I look over their shoulders and there's this little girl playing the piano. She's up there just getting to it. But you know what I noticed? It was my daughter, six years of age. And I went, she don't know how to play that thing. What's going on? And I looked over, and she had sat behind that piano, and as it was, somebody had hit the switch and started the player piano, and it was playing by itself. But she was up there, and she was faking it like she was playing the piano the whole time. And you know what I thought about Panos? I thought this. I said, you know, that's exactly the way God works in our life. God does it all, but He allows us to look like we're doing something. He really does it all. And it's almost like we're at a player piano, brother, and, and God's doing all of it behind the scenes, but yet He allows us to sit at the bench and look like we're in our feeble effort making a difference. You know what God's determination is in your life? Now, I want all of you to listen to me. God's determination for your life and His specific will for your life is that He gets the glory. God wants to get the glory, not you. And God has made it in such a way that He does. What's God's will for your life? Well, I know this. If you will obey and abide to His standard will, God will reveal His specific will to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You so much for Your goodness. Thank You for Your Word. I pray, Lord, this week would be a refreshment, would be an encouragement to all of us. Lord, I know we need it. Sometimes, Lord, we, as your people, grow weary, maybe not complacent, maybe not apathetic, but just discouraged. God, I pray that you would uplift your saints this week. Oh, God, have your hand upon the messages. Have your hand upon the services. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor Larry, his family, and then this precious, precious, precious church and group of people. Lord, I pray that your richest blessing will be upon the remainder of our week. But God, right now, as we 
we pray. Lord, I ask you to reveal yourself to your people that they may do your standard will and in doing that, realize what your specific will is for their life. And Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do because we ask it in Jesus' name and all God's saints said, Amen.